Let's sit together. Just find a comfortable posture. Let your body relax. Just let your spine feel stretched out, lifted, lifted up. And then exhale and let your shoulders drop. And as you sit, try to, with each exhale, uh, notice your shoulders dropping down because a lot of times we'll sit and our shoulders will just keep inching up and inching up. So good way to know you're relaxing is to just intentionally drop your shoulders with the exhale. Let your hands rest comfortably in your lap. Your palms can be up or facing down, but you want to be sure your hands are relaxed, not clenched into fists. Just really check your body. You can start at the top of your head and just move down through your body to notice where you feel aligned and comfortable. And also notice if there are spots where there's tension or tightness. When you feel any tightness, just Breathe into it. Imagine you're breathing into that spot. And as you exhale, just release that tension. It might be in your forehead or across your eyes or your jaw. And as you move down through the body, just slowly scan your body. Noticing if your posture is supporting you easily. Go down through your shoulders, then into your upper arms, your lower arms, into your hands, fingers. Checking for ease. You want your body to be relaxed yet awake. So just keep letting go. Come back to your upper chest. Move down through your torso. If you feel tightness in your belly or your stomach anywhere. See if you can just exhale and let go. Move down through your hips. Be aware if you feel balanced from side to side. If you need to change your posture, that's perfectly okay. When we're practicing, we want to practice being still, but that doesn't mean we have to become rigid. 
We try to be aware if we have the tendency to want to move. Just be aware of that tendency. And if you do need to change your posture to be more comfortable and more aligned, that's okay. But you might want to just wait a few seconds before you move to be sure you're not just moving your body out of uh, restlessness. That can be an entire practice to pay attention to those sensations in the body that make you want to wiggle or move or scratch something. So whenever you need to adjust that posture to help you be more aligned and more comfortable, that's perfectly okay. So from your hips, where you've checked your, this is where all of your support is coming from when you're sitting. So you want that to be feeling right for your body. And move down into your upper legs. Down into your lower legs. then into your feet. Wiggle your toes. Then come back and just breathe. And your breath can become the focus of your attention. Just find the spot where you can feel your breath. It's often around the nostrils. It's very subtle there. You can feel the in-breath. And then when you exhale, you can feel the out-breath maybe just a tickle in your nostrils or on your upper lip. You may notice that the air is cooler or when it's warmer. Then as you breathe out, the air has become warmed by your body. Or you can focus on your belly and as you breathe, where your belly may, it will expand when you inhale and contract as you exhale. And just notice that spot. Wherever you can know to come back when you want to come back to your breath, whenever you get distracted, don't consider that a problem in your meditation. Just consider it an opportunity to see how our mind works. We can always come back to our breath and start over again.
we practice. <clears throat> we practice first with loving kindness. We always begin by sending these thoughts of kindness and friendliness to ourselves. This is the hardest part, usually. So many times we're unhappy with ourselves or actually angry with ourselves, beating on ourselves because we're not good enough. Or we think about mistakes we've made and get caught up in negative self-thinking. And it becomes a pattern. So when we practice loving-kindness, we're breaking this pattern. When we can break it for ourselves and towards ourselves, then we can break it with habitual thought patterns that we have towards others. So send thoughts of friendliness to yourself, kindness. May I be well, both mentally and physically. May I feel safe in this world. May I be content and experience joy and happiness. And may I be at peace. You can choose the words that you need to hear, but send yourself these messages that are reaching out to you, are reaching into you, so you know you're loved, you know you're safe. And it's all about how you feel towards yourselves. May I be well. May I feel safe. May I be content and know joy and happiness. May I be at peace.
Now, move out a little further beyond yourself and think of loved ones, dear friends, noble friends, people you're with most of the time. And just send out these same good thoughts. These thoughts become blessings. We bless ourselves, we bless others. We're moving away from anger and aversion. We're changing those habitual thoughts that we carry around in our heads all too often. So this practice is helping us purify our minds. May all my loved ones and those dear to me be well, both mentally and physically. May each one of them feel safe in this world. May they be contented and know joy and happiness. And may they all be at peace. Now, if you think of someone in your life who may be suffering, maybe from an illness or maybe from mental health issues, send this person loving kindness. May this person going through difficult times be well, both mentally and physically. May this person feel safe in the world. May this person 
once again be contented and know joy and happiness. And may this person once again be at peace. And now let this same energy of loving-kindness just begin to radiate out from you in all directions. This is a quality that we can send out infinitely. There are no boundaries, no limitations. May all beings everywhere be free from suffering and the causes of suffering, free fear and worry and anxiety, free from hunger, free from thirst, and free from the furies and the damage being created by climate change. May all beings be able to take care of themselves or be cared for lovingly. And may all beings everywhere live in peace. Now just be with your breath. Be aware of everything coming to you through your senses. That includes your mind, so you'll also be aware of thoughts 
try to just let your thoughts come and go without getting wrapped up in them or caught up in the stories. Don't feed them with your attention and they'll just go away when you don't pay attention to them. But be aware they're there. That's normal. Don't try to push them away. Be aware of sounds and smells and taste. Be aware of contact. Feel the air on your skin. Feel your clothes against your body. Even with your eyes closed, you'll notice light coming through your closed eyelids. Or you may have little sparks of light that you see. Be aware of how you react to all of these things. Just pay attention. There's no right or wrong. Just be aware. Be aware of anything that arises within you. Remember with each exhale just to let go, just to relax.
Just be with the stillness in your body and in your mind. As we end our practice with the energy and effort that we've put into being here and practicing together, may everything we do and say and think today be done not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of all living beings everywhere. Thank you. Let's let's chant, but I need a chanting book in case I forget this. Bill, would you hand me that? Thank you. So join us. It's we begin on page four if you're not familiar with the book. Namo tase. Bhagavato Arehato Sama Sambuddhase Namo Tase Bhagavato Arehato Sama Sambuddhase Namo Tase Bhagavato Arehato Sama Sambuddhase Buddhang Saranangachami 
Dhammang saranangachami Sangang saranangachami Dutiampi budang saranangachami Dutiampi damang saranang Kachami Dutiampi Sangang Sarenang Kachami Tatiampi Budang Sarenang Kachami Tatiampi Damang Sarenang Gachami Tatiampi Sangang Sarenang Gachami Anicca Vata Sankara Upaye Dhammino Upajitwa nirojanti Te sang upasamo suko Sabe sata avera hontu Sabe sata Ya paja hontu sabe sata aniga hontu sabe sata sukiyatanam pariharantu Mano pupang emadama Mano seta mano maya Manasache padutena Pasatiwa karotiwa Tatonang Dukkha man waiti Chakang Mano Mano seta Mano maya Manasache pasanena Pasatiwa karotiwa Tatonang sukha manweti Chaya weana paini Mind is a forerunner of all states. Mind is chief, mind made are they. If with a corrupted mind, One should either speak or act. Suffering follows caused by that, as does the wheel follow the ox's hoof. 
Mind is a forerunner of all states. Mind is chief. Mind made are they. If with a clear and confident mind one should either speak or act, happiness follows caused by that as one shadow that never leaves. We believe in generosity towards others. We believe the skillful, noble path is marked by generosity. We believe generosity has many levels. Think generously, speak generously, act generously. We believe generosity is the heart of our spiritual practice. And this practice allows us to become more open, accepting, and forgiving. We believe extending generosity to ourselves and others is a direct way of healing division, bringing joy and nurturing the spiritual community for years to come. May I become, at all times, now and forever, a protector for those without protection, a guide for those who have lost their way, a ship for those with an ocean to cross, a sanctuary for those in danger, a lamp for those without light, a place of refuge for those who lack shelter, and a servant to all in need. By means of this meritorious deed, may I never join with the unwise, only the wise, until the time I attain Nibbana. Hello. Um, how many of you are here Saturday? Okay, several of you. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to talk exactly the way I talked on Saturday, but I'm going to read the story that I, that I uh, started with because I think it's a good story and it's an important point. So I'm going to share that again. So um, this is something I was, I read at just one of those moments when it, I just got it a way I hadn't before, just about what it means to, be, to when we talk about the present moment and all the things, all the things that Buddhists and people who are interested in mindfulness talk about. You know, we want to live in the present moment, be in the present moment. Everything is the pre- at the present moment. And this little story helped me see, get a little bit different understanding of that. And a little bit how we kind of throw that expression around, maybe making it sometimes a little misleading than what we, what it really is about. So I love Gil Fronsdale. I love his writing and a lot of his he has several books, and most of them are very short little stories or little essays. And uh, this is a book that he wrote several years ago. Uh, it's called A Monastery Within, Tales from the Buddhist Path. And uh, Gil Fronsdale is a teacher in California, in Redwood City. But he, for uh, 10 years, he was a, a monastic in different traditions in Asia and uh I, I'm not sure if it was Asia and in, in the U.S. or if he he, uh, but he was in different a couple of different traditions: Burmese tradition and Zen tradition. And now he's the 
chief teacher of an insight meditation center that's in Redwood, California. So this little story is, is uh, the story is, they're little stories, and there's an abbess of the monastery, and uh, there's stories about the questions people have, that the, peop- the visitors who come to the monastery, or that the uh, different people who come to live at the monastery to become nuns and monks. So, a mother of young children came to the abbess and said, A traveling teacher recently taught that all our difficulties will go away if we would be fully in the present moment. This can't be right. I watch my children, and so often they are too much in the present moment. When it is time for school, they don't get ready because they're absorbed in whatever they are playing in the moment. When I walk them to school, they stop to enjoy the flowers, the bugs, the rocks, the sticks, everything they find along the way. My kids need to learn something else besides being in the present moment. Otherwise, I can't manage my job as a parent. The abbess replied, It is unfortunate that some Buddhist teachers overemphasize the present moment. It's as if the present moment is their Buddhist god. It's true the present moment is the wellspring for all things good, but if we aren't careful, it can also be the wellspring for all things ill. The point of Buddhism is not to be in the present moment. The practice is to be aware of the present moment enough so we can address our clingings as they are occurring. Your kids know how to be present, but they aren't old enough to notice how they get attached. As they get older, they'll become less, less, less focused on their present moment experience. And if they are taught well, they will simultaneously become more and more aware of how they cling. Peace is found through not clinging. So I really love that story, and it was a, I was saying Saturday, it was like an aha moment for me. Because we're not, we're not, sometimes living in the present can seem to be uh, like anything goes, you know, like we're living in the present moment, so whatever we're doing is great. But the, the way the Buddha's talking about being in the present is being aware of what we're of what we're doing like every we're making every moment become what we can experience when we're sitting on the cushion and when we're having what we would call a good meditation practice or a good meditation session we feel like we're still and we're quiet and we're able to see things rising in us and we're able to to see what are we what are we having uh what are we moving towards with desire? Like it's the temple is good sometimes, used to be on Saturday mornings for this practice, because they'd be cooking downstairs. So if you were if you were hungry and you liked the smell of the food cooking downstairs, you could feel your desire. You, know, you can feel your body. Some you can watch your body when you meditate sometimes. You can feel your body sometimes. So, I tend to lean forward, and I read from someone that said 
that tells you if you're like an averse a person with a lot of aversion or with a lot of desire. Like if you tend to lean backwards, you're, you're backing away from things. But leaning forward too in meditation can be a sign that you're, you're sort of in a hurry. <laughs> you're like running a race. When, 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 when is something going to happen or when is this going to be over? But we're, that awareness, so if we're smelling something good and we're kind of hungry because we didn't have breakfast, this temple is wonderful when now they don't cook on Saturday mornings. The cooking's all been done. But sometimes you can smell a little bit of the residue. But um, that smell of food is something that we desire. And if you're hungry, you, you know, the desire is, feels like a need. And uh, if we're sitting in meditation, we think, oh, we can, we can be aware of those things. But the Buddha's teaching us, we're just sitting because we're practicing. This is our training. But what we really want to do is to be, have this kind of awareness all the time. So when we're engaged, when we're in the present moment, whatever we're doing, we can be aware of how, if anything's being triggered, and what we especially don't want to be triggered is any kind of craving or aversion, which is a kind of craving. Like if we're craving to have something stop, or you know, we can crave and through aversion because we want so much, like we hate somebody so much we wish they'd drop dead. <laughs> like that's a kind of craving. So desire for wanting things, but then the aversion to, to really push away from something. But what that leads to, those momentary, just in the moment, those desires, that craving, can very quickly become a uh, a habit pattern, or it can very quickly just jump into craving something. So we, fir- we first feel, when we first feel that movement towards desire, and in the book we just finished in the book group yesterday, which it's, I was telling Bhante Asaji, it's written by a Zen teacher, so it was just very frustrating for all of us Theravadan Buddhists, because we felt like he was making up things like making up titles to something that we had to translate into the Theravadan path. But he talked, uh, what we read just last night, he talked about leaning, like our mind is leaning. And so he literally just, you, and that when I, I think about that leaning in meditation even, but our mind always wants to lean. We want to lean into something or away from something. And when we're not leaning anymore at all, that's when we've, be- we've become enlightened or awakened, when there's no more leaning. And he describes a state of just, it's almost like being like these children, but not quite, like, not uh, completely. But when we're no longer leaning, we're not doing anything intentionally, which means we're not creating karma or comma. So we're not creating anything that's building up in us that we're going to have to deal with later. We, we're natural and we can be uh, happy and joyful because we're just in this very, we're in this liberated state where 
Our minds aren't leaning. We're not, we don't have preferences or viewpoints. We're not leaning into something in a way that causes us to, that leaning is the beginning of the craving. So when we start leaning into something and we're not watching it in the present moment, we're not being aware of it in the present moment, that habit can continue. It can, it'll just, it, that will be the tendency of it. So it's only at that point when we become aware of that leaning that we can do anything about it. And our awareness is the most important thing because usually once we're aware of it, it becomes so much easier to not do it, to let go of that need to, you know, that, that little that little leaning can become a desire and then it becomes a craving. And the next stage after craving is to cling to it. And uh, the, the expression in the book by the Zen teacher is grasping. That's grasping something. So we hang on to it. Once we're grasping it, that's clinging. And clinging is very hard to get rid of. The clinging is what we take with us into all different, if we believe in uh, different lies, we take that with us, or we take it into different situations in our, in our life. We see it come up all the time. So being able to be aware of the present moment is the one chance we have to let that awareness keep us from going further with the leaning. And leaning is leaning is everything that we think is who we are in a way. So leaning is all of our background, our education, what our parents taught us, what our culture teaches us, what our perceptions are all, you know, we want to see clearly, but our perceptions are are muddled. Our perceptions aren't pure right now. They're full of all the, the, the philosophy, the viewpoints, everything that we've ever learned, our education. You know, all of those things can become make that leaning. We can't, we're not at the point of balance that we call equanimity. And equanimity is that, that's the kind of the high point of the uh, qualities that we want to develop along with, you know, our uh, goodness and our skillfulness and things. But that equanimity is when we, we no longer are worried about having to be afraid of leaning, uh, be afraid of getting caught up in, uh, you know, we have, we have all of the qualities of a good education if we're fortunate to have that. And we have all the qualities of uh, our sila and our, our uh, behavior being pure. All of those things are our foundation in this practice. Uh, the the purification of our minds is just getting rid of all of that other stuff that hangs on to us. So when we have even viewpoints, even even the teachings, the Buddha said, finally we have to go beyond even the teachings because we're on this path that will keep us going. But we we have those foundations that we're working on now, like. Uh, taking the precepts, 
which is, you know, coming up in October, but taking the precepts and beginning to live the precepts, which seem like very basic, a moral foundation. And that's what it's supposed to be. It's just our basic foundation so we can continually uh, purify our minds so we can go further and further in this journey to see things clearly. And it makes meditation more beautiful because our minds aren't full of, you know, the thoughts we have that come up, even when we meditate, are usually about things that I haven't done right or things that I forgot to do this morning or things I have to do later. Or we have regrets about things we've done. And so it gets in the way of just finding that still, quiet mind. And that's what our foundation of uh, sila that's, that those are our moral, ethical qualities. That's why that's so important. So we're not letting go of that in this, uh, you know, in this letting go of all of the stuff that causes us to, to lean. We're, we're trying to let go of the things that cause us to be opinionated or to uh, get angry easily or judge other people, judge ourselves. We're trying to let go of all of those unskillful qualities. And we have to do, the only way we do that is when we see it in ourselves. And we can only see it in ourselves in the present moment when we're doing it. Because we can, we can talk about it and think about it a lot, but until we actually are in that experience and we have that little, oh, that's there's that, there's that anger arising, or there, there's that, like, uh, we see it in certain parts of our lives, like certain things that people might say to us that kind of hits the target. You know, we're, we're seeing these things, but usually we're ignoring them because we're not, we're, we're not practicing. I mean, we're, we're just doing our day. So that awareness in the present moment is the only time we can see what's really happening, and what we can be aware of. And then initially, I mean, sometimes it will go away. My awareness can be enough. You know that your awareness of that was like a realization that you hadn't had before, or you've connected that with something else that's, been, that's a problem in your life. And just that awareness alone can be enough, but sometimes it's not enough. So sometimes we have to experience it over and over. And then we start really believing what we're, what we're seeing. But it's in that present moment awareness. So we're not getting lost in the present moment. We're not just like, oh, this is, this is we can have complete fun because we're in the present moment. It's, it, that almost sounds hedonistic when <laughs> we say it. Oh, I live in the present moment. Well, you, sometimes that means you have kind of a life that you're not, un, you're not even controlling. You're just letting whatever happens, happen. But um, think about how important it is not to cling. That clinging is what destroys our peace. When we cannot have peace if we're clinging to things. Because everything we cling to will go away. It's not going to stay. And it's not going to stay the same way. So if we're clinging to it, 
it's gonna it's either gonna leave us, it's either gonna die or just leave, or we're gonna become bored with it, but we can't, you know, we're still clinging to it. That clinging is is keeping us bound up as well as whatever we're clinging to. And it destroys our peace and its baggage. And that's clinging to little I mean, it starts out just craving little things or preferring certain things over other things. And it can become this clinging that we can't detach from. And it can take, not forever, but it can take a really, really long time to, to, to deal with it because we're really stuck. So um, hopefully, that's. I just wanted to share that with you. And it'd be great, our time is up, but it'd be great to hear how others of you work with work with that. So it might be something you want to talk about with others. So thank you.